only 16% of CEO positions in the financial sector in Ireland were women in 2018, and only 18% of applicants for those jobs were women. The marriage ban was lifted in 1974. That's 45 years ago. I'd say something isn't right. My name is Stephen Norton and you are very welcome to the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast, episode 6. Thank you for joining us as we explore the good, the bad and the ugly behaviour of bosses. This podcast seeks to entertain, educate and hopefully change some behaviour to make working life better for all. I always ask for guest suggestions every episode and I'm pleased to say that I was able to make good on a recent suggestion by a listener by interviewing Breda McCaig. Breda is an experienced business transformation specialist, but is also a culture change specialist because Breda is co-founder and chair of Lean in Ireland, which was set up in 2015 and is a chapter of the Sheryl Sandberg Worldwide Lean in organization, which seeks to empower women and encourage men to seek a proper gender balance in positions of power in companies. I'll let Breda explain it during the interview, but the facts are damning in terms of outcomes less women push through the management layers in organisations. I think we all have a duty to listen up and educate ourselves. People like Breda are doing a great job of bringing men and women together to make a difference. Breda is a real buzz and I can see why people are desperate to get her to speak at their events and coach them in their careers too. I don't know where she gets her energy. I would be a wreck with just half the stuff she has on her plate. This is a great episode of the Good Boss Bad Boss podcast and I really hope you enjoy it. Hello, Brida. You're very welcome to the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast. Hello, Stephen. I'm very delighted to be on the Good Boss, Bad Boss podcast. You say it brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to get you to do a jingle after. <laughs> um, we're here in Dundalk. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it sunny Dundalk. It's been a bit, bit showery today. Not, not the greatest weather. Good Irish weather. Good Grand Irish soft. weather, yes. Well used to it. Grand soft weather uh, we're having. Yes, it's fine. It's Irish. Why did I want to talk to you? First of all, I put out the call to a lot of people and I said, uh, you know, anybody you want to hear from, let me know. And, and somebody came back and said, uh, Mel, shout out to Mel. He came back and said, you've got to talk to Breda McCaig. The quiet one. They call me the quiet one in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Yes, and big shout out to Mel from me too. Yeah, he, he's, he's he just awesome said, guy. you've, got, you've got, to, got to talk to this one. She's a bit of a, she's a, bit of a character. <laughs> And uh, wait till you hear her story. And uh, he said, you'll need a few hours. Never mind. Never mind one podcast. It might become a serial. It might be. We have a series made out of this one, Stephen. We'll see. We'll see. And when then then when I started to look you up, you know, um, it's not stalking if I admit it, but I did. (laughs) I did look you up. That's what social media is for. I'm good with that. Stalk away. Yeah. So so then I've seen that uh, you're you're a country girl at heart. Monaghan. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you were in the Reserve Defence Forces, like myself. I, I only lasted a couple of years. You you were in there for about 20 years. Yeah. And you were an officer in there, in, yeah. the, in the Reserve uh, Army. Then you were co-founder of Lean In Ireland, yeah. which is Cheryl, Cheryl Sandberg's baby. Yeah. But you, you seen a, a gap here and you went, actually, we need to do something about that. And we'll talk a bit about that later. Yep. And then, then I got talking to you. We had a conversation on the phone and you said... And I'm in two bands as well. Yeah. Two bands. Yeah. One's a rock band and one's a trad band. Where do you get your energy is probably the first question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think where I get my energy is from burning off more energy. So I think energy (laughs) breeds energy. And I have that on my bio on Twitter. If anybody wants to follow me on Twitter, I'm Breda McKeague. 
Um, and I think the more I do, the more energy I get out of it. So yeah. I think that's what fuels all the bits and pieces that I get up to. Okay, so I've I've just given a brief synopsis there, but we we, we want everybody to get a a, a, a bit of colour before we get into the good boss, bad boss element of these things. Tell, tell us about your life and uh, how you ended up here. So you're a project manager now yeah. uh, in, in Bank of Ireland. That, that, that's your, your, your official title in, in, in the bank. At well, the I'm, I'd say I'm a project manager by trade. So that's oh, what right, I describe okay. myself. But I'm actually the head of risk management support in a big transformation program in Bank ah, of Ireland. Okay. So that's what I do for my full-time job. And I do that Monday to Friday. Yeah. I commute to Dublin four days a week, which means I spend four and a half hours in a car every day. And that's where I get the time to think about all the other things that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> or that's where I get time to take calls and coach women or coach men on career. So right. I do that from the car. Or I've lately been spending some time in the car coaching groups of people in different corporates around how to set up networks. The likes right. of a Lean In Together network. So I like to keep my uh, commute varied as well. Did you, where did you start in the bank? Did you, were you always in the bank or have you had different uh, different careers? Yeah, so I started in retail, so I was customer facing in a branch. Um, I was in First Active back then in Monaghan, and then I moved to Ulster Bank. I did a lot of projects there. I did a lot of regulatory, cultural, organizational change projects and learned, sort of cut my teeth there in project management. Um, Then I moved to RBS London, where I worked in their change, their payments change team. A um, lot of experience gained there. And then I moved to Bank of Ireland in 2017. Um, and I've done a range of things in Bank of Ireland, but that's where I'm at at the minute, is looking after the risk on big transformation projects. Great. Which I yeah. love. Brilliant. And throughout all of that, like so that's that's t- t- taking you a number of years. One of the first things you did also when you made a left school was you joined the reserves, uh, yep. as it was called then, the SCA. Yep. Yeah. So we were the first girls into it. Um, and a friend of mine rang me up and she said Hang on, when, when was this? First <laughs> girls into it <laughs> Yeah, I was 17 Knew nothing about the military And my pal rang me up Her dad had been in the reserves And she said Brita, there's this great thing Opening for girls And we are going to have great crack at it And I said, okay <laughs> Let's go I knew nothing about what I was, it was getting into at all And we were the first girls into it ever um, Into Castle Blaney Mil- Military really? Barracks yeah, Which is now closed Yeah And so, you know what, it was a, it was a hell of a, a spin joining the Reserve Defence Forces. The best thing I've ever done and something I would recommend to every young person, girl or boy. Because, yeah. God, it's taught me so much. Um, but certainly when we arrived, we were the first girls there. The guys did not know how to treat us. Yeah. So I think it was far harder for them than it was for us. Because, you know, we were coming from school. So you're used to no big deal. And you rock yeah. in here and there's all these... Mostly older males what year, that what do not know how to react to you, <laughs> which I thought was interesting. What year would 2003, that have been? I think. Really? My God. Mm. That's, that seems like nothing ago. It seems and like they, a they, lifetime ago for me. Oh, my God. When I think of me now, I'm 43 this summer. And when I think of my 17 year old self, oh, my God. Very, very different. And yeah. absolutely Reserve Defence Forces framed a lot of that and provided a lot of the colour and character. That yeah. I have now. I, I was in it a year, I think, and they sent me on the NCO's course. So I was a corporal. Wow. And then they sent me on the sergeant's course. That's really fast. I track. loved it. Yeah, but like they were looking for somebody that could do female leadership because they'd none, if you think about yeah. it. And they'd now got female recruits in and nobody to sort of look after female issues. Yes. So yeah. they were kind of going, someone 
someone stand up here that has a bit of capability yeah. about them and and so anyway that's how it happened and I loved it I absolutely loved it and um I think I guess what struck me you know in those early days was the kind of the leadership that I was sort of operating under really inspired me because yeah. I was a 17 year old kid right so I'd only had really parents and school teachers to go by yeah. and this all of a sudden was this was servant leadership that I was exposed to where I had commandants and captains and lieutenants looking after us and making yeah. sure comrades were okay, everybody's needs were met. I mean, it's not like corporate leadership. So I think I was very lucky in that I was exposed to really, really strong servant leadership at an early age. Yeah. And I think that has what stood to me the whole way through my corporate sort of career because corporate leadership can often be a lot about numbers, figures, growth, targets profits whereas in the military that was never an issue so it was all about keeping people safe keeping people motivated keeping them trained keeping them up to speed and I think that has stood to me I think that's why I'm a wee bit different from a lot of corporate leaders it it, it, yeah it's not something I considered before in relation to servant leadership so that's that's the role and I mean so you were a sergeant at what age then by, by that stage sure probably 21 22 something like that and uh, like that was a hell of a learning too because when you become a leader at that age you have to learn very very fast and when you yeah. have a team of people relying on you all of a sudden that's the fastest way to learn you know and yeah. I had been lucky because I'd been taught by the others and all of the officers and all the NCOs that I absolutely admired and just adored yeah. still do to this day so I just sort of probably copied what I seen them do yeah. I, I learned from them I was their protege in a lot of yeah. ways I'd say um, and I really enjoyed being a sergeant and then they were looking for female lieutenants and the, again diversity was a problem there because they couldn't get there wasn't a lot of females in there so it was trying to find who has got a bit of potential here that we could work with and I was doing great as a sergeant and I loved it and so they asked me to do the officers course and um, the officers course was people from every corner of Ireland yeah. every small rural town big cities were such a mixture yeah. of us um, and we really really we trained very very hard we did it over two years so I spent a lot of time doing tactics you know a lot of time being <laughs> tortured yeah <laughs> you know so I think once you've done a course like that everything else seems a lot easier after it <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty grueling because I mean yeah, it's it it's the same course, you know. I mean it's it, they don't make it easier for the reserves. No, it's the they, same. They thing. purposely try to make it as hard as the PDF because then, at least as a reserve officer, you can feel like you've you've earned it. Yeah. So and absolutely worked for me. Um, but the bonding and again, super super leadership I seen there, super coaching. I've never seen coaching as good as I seen it in the military yet. Really. And I've been in loads of different corporates, different corporate situations, um, and I think. Yeah, it was just out on its own. And I, I'm very lucky to have experienced it and learned it, you know, with them. Um, and that's what I bring. And would that be from, scenarios. that would be from the, the instructors, the sergeants yeah, and the, the NCOs? NCOs the absolutely superb, yeah. The way they coach a class and the way they do their lesson plans. I mean, methodology is something that I was introduced to from yes. that 17-year-old joining. And yeah, methodology yeah. in my career is all about project methodology. And I just spoke at the Project Management Summit there this week, which I was talking about methodology. But absolutely, as a 17-year-old, there was a way and a structure to do everything in the army. Yes. And so I was learning that sort of way of working and processes for everything yeah. from a very young age. 
Yeah, that it, it, that's an important point to make, that it's not just about kind of the enthusiasm or the talent. Like you actually have to have some structures and, and, yeah. and a discipline in place to follow yeah. a certain path or else you'll go off that path. Yep. Um, and, you know, just to give people who aren't familiar with the military, so you're talking at 21, you would have been in charge as a sergeant of about 30 people, give or take. Yeah. About 30 people when you'd have about maybe training three, them. three, yeah, training yeah. them and three or four corporals underneath you as well at that stage yeah some of those were female as well because we were trying to introduce some more females as as we got them up the ranks um yeah i loved it and then when you became an officer though then you would have had like i don't know how many people you you would have had the platoon so so. but you'd you'd often so i've often ended up sort of managing or leading groups of up to 100 men there might have been one or two women in it yeah um, but I, but I have to tell you, the switch from sergeant to uh, second Louis was a, a very interesting one. And again, it, this is about leadership and and sort of sort of the observations that I made at the time, because um, everybody called me Biddy in the army. Right? <laughs> they had this pet name on me, and everybody okay. knew me as Biddy. Right? So I loved it because I had lots of fun with them, um, and and that's the way I wanted it. Yeah. So it was all very informal at times when it had to be, um, but formal when it needed to be as well. When I was Sergeant McCaig then. But anyway, <laughs> when they, they gave me um, a pip, I noticed a serious difference in how people treated me. So the guys and girls that would have had mighty crack with me the week before I got commissioned, all of a sudden treated me totally, totally different. And yeah. what I discovered then was leadership is a very lonely place because mm. I hadn't changed. Yeah. But they felt they couldn't, I guess, treat me the same way as they had done. Yet yeah. I hadn't changed at all. I had just been commissioned. So I hadn't changed by personality or the way I did leadership or anything. Yeah. And I found it very, very odd for a while because people didn't know what to call me, first of all, right? Because they all call officers, sir. But and, and usually it's it's ma'am for me, yeah. but no one knew what to call me and they'd keep forgetting. And then they called me, sir. And then you could tell they were trying to avoid me because they didn't know what they were going to supposed to call me. And <laughs> I remember thinking, this is weird. These are the lads that I've trained with from I'm 17. And now they're acting really odd with me and I yeah. haven't changed. But you know what that taught me when I get into corporate world, the leadership in corporates, you they can often be very lonely people too, yeah. because not everybody will rock up to them and talk to them. And not all of the staff across a big company will actually feel comfortable enough to go and chat to them and tell them what they think or their experience or what's happening on the ground. Yeah. So I guess for me, that was a wee bit of a spotlight and a wee bit of an enlightenment into what I can do differently when I get into corporates. So Mm. when I get into corporate world, I did exactly that because... Why would I treat those people any different? I mean, if there's executives in a company that you admire, you should absolutely be going chatting to them or you should be happy to give them feedback or you should not be nervous about sending them an email because if you admire their leadership skills, then they will be good with that. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I don't see a lot of people doing that and I try to encourage a lot of people just to do that. Um, You know, they're they're not... you, You don't need to be scared. You need to just be open with people. Yeah. And do you think that leaders change the behaviors then, you know, because it gets a bit lonely that they start to get a bit suspicious as to why people aren't, you know, that they actually start to create a bit of a barrier between it as well. And it stops the communication happening then. Well, I guess, you know, if you're in a position where nobody's really, you know, communicating with you as freely as they had done before, it can be odd. I guess if you're a good leader, you will get around that. Yeah. You know, and and I find myself in leadership positions in corporates. So I do what I do best. I reach out to people. Yeah. You know, so if 
if I'm in a lift, I chat away to them. Yeah. If I'm in a corridor, I chat away to them and people will start to warm to you. And that's exactly what I yeah. had to do when I got my pips and was commissioned because I thought, OK, so they're all, you know, afraid to talk to me. now. I need to work harder at this now. So I mm. need to up my communication game here. And I need to go to them so that they start yeah. to settle again and realize, oh, she's she's not changed. She's the same as she was. Yeah. And that's exactly what I did. And I had to start rebuilding some of that sort of communication and trust with some of them as I went. And yeah. it worked. Yeah. Very so good. for corporate leaders, that's what I think they should do and do. I do see a lot of them doing that. In yeah. fairness, in Bank of Ireland, we have some really strong leaders and they do that. I've seen yeah, them re- they reach, reach out. out. Yeah. Yeah. It must have been tough. So you spent a long time there, but it must have been tough then resigning your commission at the end of that. Yeah. After such a long time. Yeah. Broke my heart. And still to this day, if I had more time in my weeks, I would be still doing it. But I guess life took over. I ended up having three kids. So I have three boys. Dara is 12. Jamie is almost eight. And Kyla's four. So three boys, a full time job, a commute to Dublin and two bands kind of (laughs) ended up that less and less I got to do my reserves. And I guess when I was in the reserves, I was doing a hell of a lot. So, I mean, if you're going to take your whole platoon of people or a whole battalion of people out on a range and do shooting, there's a lot of organizing on that. A hell of a lot of training goes on before that. A hell of a lot of planning around all of that event, logistics, people, personnel. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of work was in and I couldn't give it what it needed anymore. It felt like I was nearly doing two jobs at one stage and I thought something's going to give. Um, And I knew I could do music part time. And it would require less of me on an ongoing week to week basis. So I went with that route. Very good. Yeah. And you totally forgot there uh, in your week, Lean In. Yeah. So so, so tell me a little bit about Lean In. Cheryl Sandberg started this movement is probably the best way to describe it. But you're the expert in it. tell Tell me what it's about and tell me your involvement in it. So Cheryl Sandberg wrote a book in 2013 called Lean In and it sparked a global conversation. Um, I think myself that a lot of women were struggling back then with issues that they really didn't realize was probably caused by their gender. I think when she wrote her book and she called out some of those issues that there was a lot of light bulbs went off everywhere yeah. and there was global conversations struck up over it. Um, Cheryl Sandberg realized she needed to do more because there was a lot of people calling out to her and getting in contact with her and loved mm. it and wanted more. So she set up a program. Um, so where I come in there is I was in Ulster Bank. I was uh, running a female led network with a super group of women in there. And we were running events and we were trying to do confidence building and lots of other topics that women had, had told us they wanted us to do. Um, and we were we were having meetings every week to get our events organized and we were running it in a very agile way. Nobody had a role on the committee in specifically. We all yeah. jumped in and out of each other's roles and we all rolled up our sleeves and got stuck in. Um, and I noticed the women were starting to mentor each other in the corridor while we were yeah. waiting on the meeting rooms to open. Yes, yeah. And I remember thinking, because I've come from a military background, I never seen women mentor each other as well as these. Because it was always yeah. men that mentored me and that I mentored yeah. And I remember thinking, I have seen this somewhere because I am addicted to social media as well, as you've probably worked <laughs> out, Stephen. And on Twitter, I had seen something on Lean In and I went off researching on Twitter and I found Nuala Murphy. Nuala Murphy had set up the Lean In in Belfast. And I said to her, you know what, I have a great team of women in here and I want to set up a Lean In circle because I think that's nearly what I have. I've got here in my hands, yes, but we yeah. haven't called it that. And I want to know more about Lean In and can I bring this in and spread it across the bank and get everyone met- mentoring each other and coaching each other. And she said, you can accept 
there is none. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? So Lean In Belfast got um, founded before Lean In Dublin. There wasn't a Lean In Dublin. Um, so anyway, myself and Nuala Morphe had young kids at the time. I was on maternity leave. We were up in the middle of the night feeding them and we were Facebook messaging <laughs> each other about, you know, mentoring. Yeah, swear to God, this is what happens. Because any young moms or young dads that are feeding kids in the middle of the night yes. will know is you end up quite awake because you have to be when you're feeding a child. Yeah, my go-to was the shopping channel, I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, what I can't tell you about the Ab Circle Pro, it's not worth knowing. <laughs> so it was a shopping channel for you. It was it was mentoring. How am I going to uh, set up I feel like wasted my my time you wasted all of those dark yeah. nights my wife will say that i didn't do too many of those nights by the way <laughs> well i did a lot of them and and so did nula morphy and this is what we were at in the middle of the night which is you know what at the time it just was what was happening but when we look back it's so lovely that two women supporting each other in the middle yeah. of the night you know talking about how they could support other women and how they could expand this across a whole country yes. you know it's kind of very special to look back on but anyway Myself and herself decided we would set up Lean in Dublin in 2016. We, you know what, we actually reviewed a lot of the, the committee that we wanted off Twitter. Right. Yeah, because there was some super women spearheading sort of women and empowering women on Twitter. And I, I learned a, a lot use from of them. Twitter. Yeah, there you Fantastic. go. Yeah. And I'm always lecturing people anytime I do my talks. I'm saying, absolutely, get on social media and scroll. But scroll stuff you're learning from. Yeah. This mindless scrolling drives me nuts. But like yeah. when I'm scrolling, I'm learning. So all of my feed is stuff that I am interested in and I'm learning from. I don't get time to read books because my life is so crazy busy, <laughs> but I absorb articles all the time on social media. Anybody I'm yeah. following, it's stuff that I'm interested in. It's stuff that's feeding me um, and my appetite for information, be be that whatever it is that floats your yeah, boat. Yeah. But um, anyway, so we set up Lean In eventually 2016 with the help of social media and we ran an event in 2017, which was sold out on us. We went to the Facebook offices there on the keys in dublin yeah and it was really a test of sort of you know test the water see is there appetite in dublin for this um i did i MC it i think i emceed that first one and we had we had a full house we couldn't fit anymore in we had massive Brilliant. massive feedback social media the whole of dublin was like where is this where can i get more of this how is yeah. this set up blah, blah, blah. so so we went our did our best you know ourselves just as the committee yeah. on the side you know everybody's working full-time and some of them are entrepreneurs um, and we tried to share it as best we could and that was the first event we did we did another one later that year which again sold out in us we did one last year in Arthur Cox which again sold out and I'm talking like 140 people and there was Brilliant. like killings over the waiting list yeah. at that and I've just last night we announced um, there's another one coming up this year on the 10th of April um, we're going to hold that in House of Lords in College Green in Bank of Ireland in Dublin right um, and it's sold out and it only went up yesterday. Wow. Massive appetite. And what, what guys do you, and what girls. topics do you cover or what format does it take? Is it you get speakers in and, and, and it's mm. a networking event yeah. as well? What, yeah, what, it's both. what topics so do you cover? The last one, what I did was we talked about diversity um, and I interviewed a female solicitor, a female barrister, actually. I emailed a, a recruiter that works for herself. I emailed a head of HR or sorry, interviewed a head of HR. Um, and a few other, I, I kind of try and get a mix from my panels um, with with different points of view and different walks yeah. of life. If I can get different industries, that's what I do. And yeah. then I try to sort of pull it all together so that the audience is hearing 
a different angle on sort of female empowerment if I can. Yeah. So it's not your average, you know, let's just be empowered. It's dig deep. Like, for example, we got into issues like female finances the last time. Right. right. And I did that because I get so frustrated at the amount of women that are not looking after their pension. Yeah. Right. Okay. And they're waiting on quite often their husbands to do all of the finances. And I don't want women doing that because yeah. how can you feel empowered if you're sitting and your whole future is dependent on somebody getting the, the paperwork right yes, for you? Yeah. Right. So I want women to be independently trying to figure this stuff out for themselves because it's good for them. Gives them yeah. confidence. Um, that's the sort of stuff I get into. Right, yeah, I can see that, that that's it. That's one that irks you at the moment, all yeah. right. And it, like the statistics for people looking after their pension are bad and it's probably yeah. even worse for women. It then, is, yeah. yeah. Is it? Yep. Yeah. It's, it, so so it, it's about sharing the stories, yeah. but in a way that has a, a you know very definite tactical purpose as Absolutely. well. It's like, okay, it, yeah. you know, you got to sort this out as yeah. well. And normally the feedback I get from those events is that was very different to anything else. You know, so there's a lot of female conferences going on at the moment and I, I always try to make ours a little bit edgier in the questions that we go for. Yeah. So we have a super team coming in to us on the 10th of April. They're called Dare to Dream. Um, Sinead Sharkey and Lisa are coming from Ascent of in Belfast and they're going to do a Dare to Dream session for me with the entire audience and then we're going to go into a panel discussion. Right. So we'll be okay. talking about how to set up leaning circles across corporates, um, how they actually work, how to structure one, what you get out of it, stuff like that. Because what I want to do and the reason I run these events and put such effort into it and so does the steering committee that's working with me is we're trying to share the message and let other people self-drive. Yes, yeah, and that's a w- two words I use a lot lately because, you know, there's no point in sitting waiting on a company or an organization to do all yeah. this for you. There's a lot of capability, you know, if you self-drive. If you're ambitious and you're career hungry, and you want to get on and you want to leave yourself with a good lifestyle when you're retired, then self-drive. Yeah, yeah. go and find maybe the likes of a lean in circle. Get into it. See what you can get out of it, and see can you get people to mentor you and, and speed up your career path, perhaps. And there's a lot. There, there is a lot of organisations, and and I've 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 worked with a good few that have women's networks and things like this. But uh, everybody's stronger together. I mean, is the, the, there's probably some sense in 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 people reaching out to you from that point of view if they have something up and running already and they want a bit more guidance and to to make it more potent, perhaps. Yeah. How to, as you say, kind of s- drive it in a bit. With yeah. a bit more, uh, with a bit more edginess to it, uh, that you know, that'll make and a difference. To introduce the guys to it, so you know it's yeah. it's a hard job to try and get the guys into some of this. Yeah. Um. If it's called a women's network, you know, mm. there's not too many guys running to get into that. No. Yeah. So, what I always find is I'm having to make extra effort to get some of the guys into it, and yet most of the mentors that I've had in my life have been guys. Yeah. Right. So and and there's superb. Uh, male mentors in my life even yet you know yeah. and and that changes as as your life goes on and your life cycle changes but um i just think diversity and inclusivity here is the trick so i have yeah. just set up recently a lean in together circle in bank of ireland and i have a mix of guys and girls in it and you know what it's absolutely superb and i know they are all loving it as well yeah and i have a guy actually going on the panel that um for the event on the 10th of april to talk about his experience with this because you know, this particular fella is a super advocate for female uh, managers that he, that he can see potential in. He's yeah. often sent me a mail going, will you talk to this girl, Brady? She's super and she doesn't, yeah. even, you know, she doesn't realize how good she is. Will you coach her? Um, and there's so there's a lot of good guys out there, you know, trying to support the diversity and the gender equality topic. And I think we just need to find a way of bringing them into 
the conversations a little bit more and letting them contribute more and letting them feel comfortable doing that. It's it's an interesting one because a lot of fellas now, a lot of men now actually feel afraid to yeah, join the conversation because they're yeah. afraid and they yet, might get ripped apart. They're afraid <laughs> and then there's, you know, there's Me Too movements and a yeah. lot of them don't know what to do, you know, how to handle a situation. Yeah, no, no, the and that's, that's work, honestly, right? they, they yeah. are afraid. And so I would consider myself a feminist, but uh, I mean, I have had loads of success trying, you know, working with guys um, and finding ways to make sure that I can include them in the likes of a leaning together yeah. circle. Right. And sometimes when we, we call them women's networks, it, it does scare them off because yeah. it's the last place they want to go. You know, they're listening to the the media about me too and, and they don't know what to make us but you know what lads you know good news is that none of us have changed <laughs> i yeah, haven't yeah. changed at all just because there was a me too campaign um and i still think together we need both genders to try and crack the diversity piece yeah i just yeah. can't see it working with one gender trying to fix the imbalance you need both i think i think like one of the i just read a great uh, from Dolly uh, Chug, I think is her name, and she she wrote a book called uh, "The Person You Mean to Be," right? And it's all about bias and uh, implicit bias and that kind of thing. And I I think one of the things that that you know joining networks like that, you know, uh, you, you know, and being being an ally, I think that's the the yeah, the go to yeah. word at the moment yeah. is being an ally uh, or an advocate. Is that even the first thing you can do is notice your own network, yeah, and figure out how many you know so as it you know i talked earlier like banks are actually there's more women in banks than there is men yeah have a look at your network as a man and see how many women are in it yeah <laughs> considering absolutely. they're most of the population of the bank yeah have you got more male colleagues that you know do yeah. you have a boys club that you didn't know you were in yeah is yeah. one of the first things and and you know i i know i've been trying to actually push myself out of my comfort zone in relation to this because i've always kind of thought no no i'm definitely i'm definitely okay yeah and but the more i look into it, i'm like oh my god i wasn't okay that time actually and yeah no 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 god i wasn't okay that time or yeah. no i definitely was biased that time yeah. and you know it's actually only when you start to notice what y your own kind of history has been and your 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 past in relation to where you the way you've approached things or your attitudes things you go jeez i've, I've yeah. i have been part of this yeah not necessarily part of the problem but i just did get I just went with the norm as yeah. opposed to, and I think that's where men can be afraid is that they're afraid of being labeled as part of the problem when actually they were just part of the norm, yeah. which is different. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's just like, fair enough. You were part of the norm. But you but know now what, start Stephen, to notice the norm that, yeah. was the unconscious bias bit. That's what I'm saying, yeah. So start to notice that the norm wasn't right. Yeah. And, and start to and notice And every what one of us yeah. have unconscious bias. Yeah. I mean, I've had to work on mine. Because, you know, yeah. everyone thinks Breed is a bit of a feminist, but I've had to work hard on my unconscious bias. Yeah. It's about challenging your thinking. Yeah, no, you do. And, and uh, the, the, you talked about scroll the stuff you're learning from. Yeah. So yeah. stop reading stuff that reinforces yep. what you think. Start yeah. to read stuff that challenges what you think and, yeah. and grow in that. That's totally. one thing I'd That's encourage exactly anybody it. to do. Yeah. You know, read the article from somebody you kind of think, oh, they, you, they always you think you don't, oh, like. I don't like them. Yeah. No, go ahead That's and read exactly it. What go I ahead and read it yeah. and, and see if you pick out that one or two yeah. things that you go, okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and that's that's key to it. So. Yeah, I know we've got a bit preachy now, probably. And but tell people to challenge. I, you know, I do think you have to challenge yourself. I've been trying to do it, and I've been failing sometimes. By the way, I'll. I'll put I think up my it's hand a, it's that. an ongoing project. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> work work in progress. Yeah. yeah. You just have to keep doing that. So, I mean, so I I, I listen to a lot of 
YouTube talks and a lot of audible talks yeah. around motivation, around psychology, philosophy. And what that has done for me is helped me challenge my thinking. It has helped me teach myself about my own psychology. And it's something that I'm starting to try and coach more people in because yeah. I don't think we go there a lot. Yeah, no, 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 no. There's, to be honest with you, we, we tend to look externally a lot of the time. And one of the great unknowns is internally and is in our is in our brains, which is, I mean, that's definitely yeah. why I'm, I'm pursuing the career I, I do. Yeah. And that's why I have these conversations. That's how we've ended up here. Exactly, <laughs> this exactly, podcast. exactly. Because the, 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 the person I want to talk to is, 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 but that's the thing. It's the journey that you've had is, yeah. has been so... You know, the, the external outcomes, you know, we talk about lean in, we talk about the, the, the arm, we talk about the great work you've done, you know what I mean, in the in the in the role of project manager or whatever it might be. But they're they're all based on what you are inside. Do yeah. you know what I mean? They're they're all the, the things that you've done as well. So I mean I think that's why these conversations have actually kind of struck a chord with people is because it humanizes everybody's story and, and yeah. people start to recognise each other's stories in, in in your yeah. story you know there are yeah. there's a load of breeders out there yeah there is there's bits of me everywhere <laughs> <laughs> i need six more actually so if there's any others yeah, please yeah. come forward we need we need two singers <laughs> i need two clones and, uh, at least. somebody who's good with three boys <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the bosses that's what we're here to yeah. talk about the good boss bad yeah. boss element of things so starting with the bad first what comes to mind when i say bad boss there's a few people probably <laughs> <laughs> that I am not going to name. Nobody panic. No, no, oh. we don't do that. Um, here. So knowing that, that we were going to do this podcast, I was having to think about, you know, good bosses, bad bosses. And um, so I guess for me, I've been very lucky, as I said, back to you earlier in the podcast, in the the, the reserves, there was a, a commandant, Martin Moneypenny. And I think he probably was my first leadership teacher as such right right so i've had lots of good bosses that empowered me that wanted to see me thrive that left me at it i think a lot of the time when people are micromanaged it just it zaps their potential it zaps their energy it zaps their yeah. growth um and, and i was very lucky from a young age that i was getting good leadership exposure um and was learning from servant leaders um but then everybody runs into a few bad leaders as well and I have done as well and I think about the times when I had a bad leader or I was working under someone that wasn't very strong in in a few different elements of leadership and and how I felt and I, I guess I was absolutely energy zapped uh, didn't feel empowered um wasn't as energetic or as um bubbly as I, I am now for example because yeah. I'm, I'm working with a really good leader at the minute um, so that's a loss to the company because they've got this person that comes in that wants to do lots more than they have to do that has loads of energy and can influence other positively and because there's a there's a poor manager putting in charge of that person the company loses out yeah and they lose out from the energy that that takes away from absolutely the yep um and how would that manifest itself for you? Like, you know, you talked about micromanagement. Is that is that one thing that really kind of irks you in a in a in a yes. boss? So I don't see the need for it. I think you know the amount of people that I have managed down through the years. The the best I've got out of them is when I leave them alone to make their decisions themselves, to let them find the solutions themselves. Absolutely, I am behind them and encouraging them to do it, and you know, encouraging them when they have done it. 
um, and making sure that they get plenty of spotlight when they've fixed a problem or they've found a solution or been in a difficult um, situation and, and resolved it. Yeah. Um, I just think when when someone is not allowing someone to grow under them, it, it it's, it's, it's the opposite to a win-win. <laughs> it's a <Yeah>. loss-loss <laughs> yeah. for everybody. Um, you have an employee that gets demotivated um, and disengaged and you have a leader that's probably not happy because their micromanaging isn't working and they're not able to control every outcome, you know, what's, of what's the employee. What's the factors that cause that, do you think? I, I think, what, what, so for what me, makes right, a micromanager? What, what I've seen is the micromanager is totally um, insecure in themselves. That's right. what it, I think from watching a few of them and, and having to deal with a few of them in my past. I think it's their insecurity that's coming to the fore. So they, they, they have insecurities in themselves. They're maybe not that confident in themselves. Um, and they can't deal often with somebody that's reporting into them that has lots of confidence and lots of capability um, and can sort of just plow on and, and fix problems as they arise. I, yeah. I think if you're an insecure person, that really sort of puts you uneasy. I think that's what yeah. I've seen in the past. And what can they, like, it's very hard to tell somebody who, who, you know, very hard to fix insecurity, isn't it? You know, so from a mentoring point of view, we talk we talk about that, like, uh, you know, it's... It's, you know what, insecurity can insecure? be worked on, but it has yeah. to be, you know, the person who's insecure has to, to want to do that. Yeah. Um, and I have worked with loads of people and I've worked with them um, around their insecurities and we've challenged them and we've questioned them and we've helped them. Um, it can be fixed. Absolutely. That's easy. Yeah. It's the bit where they realize that they're insecure or that they can even see the impact that their behavior is having on someone. That worries me a lot more because I think we have a lot of sort of middle management across lots of industries because I talk to people across all industries with me lean in work and my sort of the talks that I do and, and the different corporates that I help. Um, yeah. And I'm just seeing the pattern all over the place. So we've got mm. all these super executives and they're talking about values and they talk about all the right things and they actually demonstrate the right behaviors in most cases. But then we've got middle managers where, you know, it starts to slow up there and slip. And then you've got employees at lower grades across companies that are demotivated and disengaged. Yeah. And it can all be fixed, but it, I guess it has to be something that people want to do with themselves and 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 so you see a disconnect between what's happening at the executive level and then how it drips down to ma middle management and then ultimately the outcome yeah the i've seen is, that is for years and level. i mean i've been in corporates all over the place and in different industries yeah and i keep seeing that happening i keep seeing um execs and senior managers doing great things rolling out great programs mm. and then i am a devil for talking to the people that have been we'll say you know at the the, the end user of all of those values yeah. to see did they land did they embed how do they feel and i can't see it all arriving really? down the ways yeah and that and that's because you think that maybe is because of the work that's been done in the middle management layer that which the transfer yeah. is on down well it's it's kind of where i've i've finished up decided that seems to be where it, it it stops okay we'll come back to what we would <laughs> might do about that we'll come We're back to what fix we might the do world about today, that Stephen. <laughs> I, like, I can't so fix it all at lunch time now <laughs> give us the two-line fix <laughs> for that <laughs> i come yeah. back to you <laughs> yeah. and and you know when when you were experiencing that micro micromanagement piece what what would have been the end results for you how did you escape that or deal with that 
So because there might be people um, kind of going, oh god, yeah, I have a micromanager, and oh god, yeah, yeah. it's born out of insecurity, and they definitely that they're not aware of it. So what what do you do? Yeah. Well, you can choose to stay there, suffer on, and and try to address it in conversation and to confront it. And I've done all of that too. Um, but I have to say, ultimately, anytime I've ended up under a bad boss, I've left. Don't right. mean le- I don't mean left the company. Yeah. I've never really done that. I've actually found myself a mentor that I admire and I've, I've found another route. Because if right. I like a company, but I just haven't found that I'm working under somebody who's super leader then I'll just find somebody who is a super leader and off yeah. I go. And that, that, that's interesting. You know, that there can be great bosses in bad companies and bad bosses in great companies. Yeah. And it's, it's finding the sweet spot of a great company and a great boss. Yes. <laughs> that, that. Do you know what, what I guess is really important for me here? It's the impact that a good boss or a bad boss has on someone's life. And I don't think our managers or leaders across industry always think like this. And I want to do this podcast today to challenge them to think like this. What impact are you having on the people that are on your team? And I don't mean just, you know, while they're in the office with you. I mean, outside of that, I'll give you an example. Um, My mother recently said to me, I don't hear you giving out about your job anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, oh, my God, all the conversations (laughs) that I was having with her probably, you know, I've had a bad day or whatever. So look at, you know, if you're a manager or you're a leader, she said to me recently, "Why, you know, it must be going all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I told my boss that very recently. And he was like, I take it that's a good thing, Breda. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I have another story I want to share with you in that I was leading a team a couple of years back and um, I had a guy in the team that was super and he had great potential, great energy. And he was a great worker. And he had said to me he'd had a rough time in a previous team and that he was coming to me with a few scars, I guess, and a few sort of broken wings. Yeah. Um, and after he was with me for about nine months to a year and his wife actually sent me a Facebook message one day that like took me 15 minutes nearly to read that talked about the impact that I had had on his life, which absolutely blew me away because she talked about how different he was at home since he started working with me um how different their life was as a result of him being happier coming home uh oh jesus it was just it mind blowing stuff and i just thought oh my god look at the impact that you can have on someone's life i don't know if we realize that right because we're you know there's lots of managers hopefully listening to this this that have teams under them and do you actually realize that the, the impact you can have on every one of their lives? If you, you know, I've, I've seen it in the past, big, big teams, right? And senior leaders struggling to get around everybody. But they might have a brief brush with you on a day in a corridor. And you might stop to say, hi, how are you getting on? Everything going all right? Or you might have a very quick, informal sort of brush with them. But that might make their day. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I don't know if, if leaders actually realize the impacts that these little things can have. Yeah. people's day and their life to go home in great form they had a conversation with such such a one you know i just think these are small things but and they don't require much effort i just think it's conscious effort we need to be doing yeah. with some of this and like well that must have been an amazing feeling for a start yeah. to read that i mean I we, d- we don't want to we don't want to encourage everybody's uh partners to be <laughs> <No>. <laughs> texting the, their partner's Nobody boss text me. <laughs> yeah kind of like let them know how you feel but i mean you know it's great that, that it's a positive story and 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 obviously to motivate her to 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 text you in that way it must have been 
a, a complete change for yeah. that person and, and that that's really true to have such a big impact on people's lives and i think that's a really important message to get across is that you're not impacting their career you're impacting every bit everything yeah absolutely yeah that's exactly it and that's what i am um, you know spending my lunchtime doing to try and get that message out there to people yeah. because you know you don't realize the impact you can have on them in a negative way or you know yeah. it can be as positive it's just to be aware of it and again it's like unconscious bias it's conscious effort we're talking here yeah. Pay attention to us. Yeah. A boss is for life, not just for Christmas. <laughs> oh my God, you've no idea, Stephen. So I had this super boss in RBS. Um, he won't mind me name checking him because he's used to me doing it at this stage. Good, he's, he's called John Keegan. Um, and I landed in, ended up working under him and I just adored him. He knew that I knew what I was doing. He let me at it. He was there anytime I needed a hand or a bit of support or where I was just getting frustrated or something yeah. wasn't working for me. Um, he was the perfect boss. Um, and I ended up having to leave his team, not because I wanted to leave him. And that's something else. A lot of people say that you leave a manager and often you do. But I absolutely left nearly crying leaving him because right, I adored yeah. him. He was such a good leader. And um, fast forward a year or two and I now have him in working with us in a yeah. different bank. Um, and that's because I have been raving about him forever yeah. to everyone saying we need him in here. He's skilled. He's super. He's a great leader. Um, and I have now a, a lady working with him um, for him who keeps saying, Brady, you weren't joking. He is superb. I just think we need like a million John Keegans around the world to inspire people, to look after people and to teach people. You know, yeah. he's a superman at teaching his skills. Um, and his IT knowledge, great information sharing, man. So just shout out to him. Great stuff. Well done, John. Um, yeah. <laughs> high praise there. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, I mean, the role models are out there. Yeah. You know, the role models are out there that, you know, that people just need to, to, to see what what the, the John Keegans and the, the Martin Moneypennies of this world are doing. And yeah. um, and, and kind of just say, well, what am I not doing that, that, that they are doing? But I think kind of going back to the self-awareness piece, you know, not being aware you know, if the people aren't aware, they're not even going to notice that. They're going to always think, oh, well, I'm okay, haven't I? Yeah. And, that's and it. again, it's about challenging your thinking. And I think, um, you know, I've name checked there two guys. There was actually, I sat down earlier and I wrote a list of women as well. And I'd like to mention mentors, right? Because yeah. for good, bad, uh, good boss, bad boss, if you have a bad boss, you need to get yourself a mentor rapidly. And I had a mentor called Carl O'Connor once upon a time who absolutely changed where my career path was going rapidly. Um, I ended up playing in a band with him <laughs> after that. Right. And now Carol's daughter comes to my lean-in conferences and she's loving, you know, the lean-in <laughs> stuff she's learning. And I'm thinking, wow, that's actually a whole, you know, there's two generations in the mix here. Because yeah. he started to help me as a mentor when I was very young and um, didn't, know a lot of connections in Dublin in, in the company that I was working with at the time. Um, and he helped me with my career path. And then I helped him with some of my retail knowledge. So mentoring yeah. should be always two way straight. It shouldn't yeah. always be one way. Um, and, Very and true. So we're, we're nearly into networking here. But what would I always teach people around networking is go to give. Yes. Right. So if you're looking for a mentor, so if you've got if you're unlucky and you're with a bad boss, get a mentor. But you can't go to a mentor and just want them to fix things for you. You have got to go to a mentor trying to figure out what you can give them. 
So mm. what knowledge, what experience have you got that they might find useful? Yeah. And that's the way I go if I'm looking for a mentor. And then they'll end up mentoring me sort of nearly, you know, by the by, if yeah. if that's where the relationship is supposed to go. But um, I just think mentors are so important here. So, you know, you can supplement a bad leader with a really good mentor and it can, it yeah. can get you through some of the difficult parts. A lot, a lot of people don't know how to get a mentor. They mm. kind of go, oh, yeah, get a mentor and I'll, there's a mentoring program and a, yeah. I got a, oh yeah, I went on the mentoring program and got this really sucky mentor. <laughs> yeah. They kind of weren't yeah. great at all. They were ticking a box to say they were a mentor. Yeah. So how do you get a Sometimes good mentor? Sometimes that works, right? So there's mentoring programs that actually work very yeah. well for some and other people, they just don't hit it off and that's okay because yeah. that's a chemistry thing. So, um, you know, on paper, you can look like a really good match for a mentee and a mentor. But yeah. in reality, it just might work. And, and that's just because your personalities are very different. And often there's not an awful lot of profiling yeah. goes into that kind of, you know, mentor and mentee list. Yeah. But that's OK, because what I've always done is decided for myself who around an organization or, or in an industry do I admire? And again, mm. I use probably social media there. So if I see somebody posting articles on LinkedIn about leadership or about diversity, or about strong organizations, then there's a good chance that's what they're interested in, yeah. and that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. And I, I would easily you know, ping people like that and say, is there any chance that you'd be around for a coffee? It doesn't matter if they know me or not. Yeah. Um, and again, you've got to think before you go to a mentor, what is your profile out there, and what is your brand? Because like, people contact me at the minute to see, will I have a coffee with them or yeah. can I do a call with them for whatever kind of coaching, be it career coaching, be it, you know, coaching and mentoring or, or whatever. Um, and I, the first place I go is LinkedIn to see what their profile is like. Yes. Yeah. See, you know, do I think they're career hungry? Do I think mm. they have an appetite to self-drive if they have? And I say, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's back to everybody listening. If you have a bad boss, and you're unlucky enough to be there for a bit and you're stuck and you need a mentor, think about what way you're going to approach your mentor, how you're going to ask them what your profile is before you go there. Yeah, so have a look at you. Yeah, mm. I, I do see that sometimes people say, oh yeah, well, I'm no good at networking. And then I go, well, you haven't even tried. Like, look at your LinkedIn profile. And I know people might say, oh, but that's just social media and all that. But actually it is you out there in the world. I mean, it's a good chance for people to kind of get a sense of who you are, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's exactly where everybody goes nowadays. Yeah, because is, yeah. if you don't know somebody that knows somebody, you can't ask them. So you've nowhere yeah. to go, only social media. Um, and so it's there for the take. And I don't know why people choose not to do their profile. I think a lot of people see it as, oh, if I update LinkedIn, people think I'm looking for a new job. Not at yeah. all. Like I spend a lot of, uh, my week reading articles off it that's what yes, i'm using yeah. it for it's brilliant for that isn't yeah. it yeah like there's and, really and good articles yeah other industry leads yeah so i can see you know across a number of different industries who is really really strong because there's there's spotlighting you know yeah. their interests their articles that's what it tells me about them and normally when i meet them they're exactly that yeah yeah and, and uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, don't 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 make yourself out to be something you're not on LinkedIn. Absolutely. You know, be be, be true be to authentic yourself be and true, be who yeah. you are. Yeah, that's and and right. So get a mentor. That's yeah. the, that's the first. So if yeah. you're in a bad boss situation, get a mentor. And maybe not just one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I've often gone and ended up with three mentors. And I don't mean that I rock up and I say, I want you to mentor me. Right. It doesn't no, work no. like that. It's very much about me seeing who I admire, seeing do I like what they're doing and their approach and their leadership style. And then gently mention any chance that we could have a coffee at some point. And it's never, you know, you have to meet me every week or you have to meet me yeah, every yeah, month. Yeah. None of that. It's, 
you know what, when you have time, could we get a coffee? When would your diary work for you? When can I have 20 minutes with you? It's that kind of flexibility and trying to make sure that they can, it's actually doable for them. Yeah. Do you know, you've hit on something there, I'm, and I'm, I'm, forgive me if I butcher this thought, but, you know, the whole idea, if you're in a bad boss situation where it feels very pressurized, the world can seem very small. Yeah. Because it's just you and this boss who makes yeah. him feel terrible, possibly, and it's five days a week you're just feeling pressure. Yeah. By getting mentor, a mentor or mentors, as you say, you're expanding your world, and therefore there's much more room to grow within that because you're immediately thinking outside of that little pressurized world of you and your boss. Absolutely. And yeah. so it kind of expands your mind immediately, even from that psychology point oh, of it view. It absolutely does. You it know, colors so your world a different yeah. color, right? So if world. you have a bad boss, you're yeah. feeling it's grays, it's darks, it's miserable, you're fed up, you know, you're demotivated. But if you start to introduce a few mentors that you already have researched and you know are sort of where you want to get to or that you admire for some reason, they will start to add different colors into your life and into your world and into your thoughts. And that then obviously will impact how you think and how you feel. Um, and we all know that your thoughts become your actions. Your actions become your life. Mm. And that's exactly what happens yeah that's that's a brilliant mm. way of saying it is that is that yeah. your concept of saying it that way yeah okay well done that's yeah. i'm gonna use that <laughs> <laughs> you can use that Stephen. that's, that's your new tagline trademarked now okay <laughs> <laughs> no that's but that is an absolutely fantastic way of looking at it is is, yeah. is bringing these other people in they add color to your world and and just give you that different per perspective shift yeah uh, because yeah it can be so oppressive when you're in the bad boss situation yeah. it can feel so oppressive so absolutely and what you've got to remember is it's only temporary um, and these are the ways you can get out of it. It's yeah. the, the likes of getting a mentor. It's talking to others. It's not pretending that it's okay because it's not okay. Yeah. Um, and, and what I'd say to people is don't stay there too long because it starts to have a bigger impact on your thinking and how you feel. Um, and, and you waste some of your career, you know, in a negative space where you should be with a good boss developing and building yeah. on your self-confidence and getting yourself up your career ladder. Because guess what? Retirement is going to come at some point and that bad boss may have delayed your career or perhaps your salary progression, yeah. um, which, you know, will impact you in retirement. Yeah. So don't stay there too long is my advice. Yeah. And as you say, like it, 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 the impact on your life, you know, the longer you stay there, the bigger impact it will have on your life as well. Uh, yeah. And then the bigger the fix is <laughs> to yes, get out of that situation. Absolutely, more effort to put in. Yeah, we're coming towards the end now, but I, I do do want to talk about just a, a little bit more uh, focused in on women in leadership now. So you yeah. know, from the lean in point of view, and from the good boss, bad boss point of view, to bring yeah. these two elements to, together. Yeah. What What can women do? You know, in relation to the to the to the world we find ourselves in now, to 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 be the best boss that they can in the, in a way that's true to who they are in the environments they find themselves in now, where there definitely is a, a shift and a change for the better. But what can they be doing to to promote this good boss mentality within the female leadership in in uh, the corporate world? So I think it's the same. I don't think it's gender specific. I think it's exactly the same for, for guys and girls in that you need to be challenging your thinking. You need to be thinking about the impact that you're having on the people who report into you or the people that you're influencing on a day to day basis. I don't think there's any difference. And when I think about it, the amount of females that have supported me down through the years is just phenomenal. And um, I think because women were not in, and I know we talked earlier before we started about history, 
um, and that the marriage ban was only lifted in the 70s. Mm. I think women are still a reasonably new sort of phenomenon to a lot of workplaces and they've had to work hard to get into senior management positions in a lot of those workplaces because they weren't there. So they've had to, they've been on the back foot, right? Um, And there's a lot of women starting to push through glass ceilings of all sorts to get into senior leadership roles. And it's the same for them as it is for guys. It should be around how good a leader are you at this point in time in your life? Could you be better? And and this is something I, I was talking to project managers about during the week. It's about how good are you with your stakeholders? If I went to ask one of your stakeholders how they find your project management skills, what would they tell me? And I would say the same to leaders female or male, if you're in a senior management position or middle management position, even more so, if I went and asked some of the people who work for you or that you are influencing on a day-to-day basis how they find you as a leader, what would they say? Mm. Right. And I don't know, do we do a lot of that self-assessment? I yeah. think people rush day-to-day to day-to-day, not realizing the impact they can have on people and they don't stop to do a self-assessment. Are you as good as you could be? Are you the best leader you could be? If mm. you are great, keep building on it. Mm. If you're not, what can you do to fix that? Where are the bits that you could maybe work on? And then how can you get somebody to help you with some of that? Like just coaches all over the place. You're yeah. one of them, Stephen. You could <laughs> yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. I just got you a contract. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but seriously, I just think it's so important. Um, I, and I, I just, if anything, I'm hoping that this can make one or two people think about that and actually action something there to improve their leadership skills. Brilliant. I think we'll leave it there, but just if anybody wants to contact you, so you're a, a social media, you, you, you're yeah. on social media, Breda yeah. McCaig on Twitter. Yeah. Um, but from a Lean In perspective, what's the website that they can look yeah, up? Yeah, so they should go to the leanin.org website and they'll see the Lean In circles that are in Dublin. Yeah. Um, and they'll see some information. There's a hell of a lot of podcasts on there, actually, and lots Great. of videos and and Harvard material and everything. It's all really, really well researched. I use it quite often and I would say to others, if you're ever going to talk on a panel or you're going to coach women, have a look at it because there's a lot of stats in there and the stats are brilliant for driving the proper discussion. Um, And without stats, I think we are in danger of, and I've been on panels before where everybody's saying how wonderful it is for women now and things have changed. Uh, you know if what? If you look at the stats, it's yeah. not so good. And the pay gap doesn't move the way it should do yeah. then. You know what I mean? So what you hear on radios and you hear in the media never seems to make it to the stats. So you've got to start just like a good project, right? It's starting yeah. with your requirements. Where are you? Where's your stats? Yeah. Where's your percentages? And, you know, that's reality. And then yeah. you start to work with that and, and see what you need to be doing to try and change that dial. Yeah, I always say, let the data lead. It'll give you some yeah. good questions to ask. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, pe- people should research that. As I say, I'm kind of a work in progress on this. And the one thing I've, I've always been surprised about is when I when I go in to go, oh, that's not right. And then I look at the stat yeah. and then I go, oh my God, that is yeah. right. Jeez, oh, that's yeah. terrible. Some of it and like, look, there shocking. are some great, great stats and there's some mm-hmm. positive, very positive things happening, but there, yeah. there's still more work to be done for sure yeah. uh, t- till we get there. And yeah. uh, who knows what we, uh, we'll ever get there because there will always be something else to fix. Uh, that's the, the one good thing. When you throw humans in the mix, we'll always have something to fix. Yes, absolutely. Um, We're all a work in progress, Stephen. Yeah, work in <laughs> progress this is the title <laughs> of this. Yeah, a, a WIP. Yeah. <laughs> Breda McCaig, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you and we will continue this conversation. I, over s- I suspect we will. <laughs> but for everybody else There's who's listening. There's loads listened, more we can, we can talk about, Stephen. <laughs> thank you very much for giving me the time today. You're very welcome, I enjoyed it. Breda McCaig there. 
I worked in banks a long time, and there are usually more women than men in banks. Something like a 60-40 split in favour of women. So why aren't they breaking through the glass ceiling? I had two truly great bosses in my time. One male and one female. Very different from each other, but both amazing. And I would definitely say my female boss had a harder time negotiating the politics of things. You know, the traditional old boys club. Definitely existed. Isn't it time that changed? If you think your company could do it a lean-in circle, please contact the Lean In Ireland team at www.leaninireland.com. I'm delighted to say that the word is spreading as we have 500 subscribers from around the globe now. Please share this content if you liked it. Everything helps. I'll keep recording if you keep listening. If you have a guest you'd like to hear from or you have some comment on the show, please, please, please drop me a mail at stephen at stephennaughton.com. I would love to hear from you. And I'll be back next month with another good boss, bad boss guest. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.